Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we go through this, this, this Lenten season, we get to see a little bit more about what it is we hear on one Sunday uh, from the Old Testament, uh, but hearing it on these, these, these Wednesday nights. And there's much to be gleaned from this. This is such a strange text, it seems, that Jacob, um, he sends his family across the ford of the Jabbok. He takes them and sends them across the stream and everything else that he had, and then he was left alone because he's on his way back to see his brother whom he stole, his birthright, his blessing, from, and he's scared. And he's full of tremendous doubt, tremendous uh, pain and suffering. He doesn't quite know what his brother's going to do. He's hoping he can figure something out. I mean, Jacob is a guy who's crafty. His name literally means one that grabs the heel, right? That's how he came out of the womb. His brother was first, and he came out next, grabbing onto his brother's heel. And so he's known as the supplanter, the heel grabber, the trickster, as it were, right? He's known as someone who is crafty and smart, clever, cunning. And yet all of a sudden, well, after he does everything where he steals his brother's blessing, and then he goes and stays with uh, his family, with, with, um, with his uncle Laban, and uh, marries his, his daughters, and does some trickster things with his goats and things like that, right, if you know those stories. And then they leave, and Rachel steals her father's like, false, false gods, and they are pursued after them. And there's all this shenanigans going on, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And Jacob, who is a smart man, who is a cunning man, all of a sudden is left alone. He's by himself. He's full of doubt. He's full of anxiety. He's full of pain and suffering and sorrow because he doesn't quite know how this one is going to pan out. He doesn't quite know if he's going to be able to outwit his brother or appeal to his brother, if his brother is going to be easy on him, hard on him, whatever. In the midst of this suffering and him being by himself, all of a sudden, strangely, a man wrestles with him until the breaking of the day. Uh, it's just one of those things that it's only in the Bible, right? He's, he's out in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden, some guy just comes up and starts attacking him, wrestling with him, trying to pin him down. But... Interestingly enough, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and put it out of joint, causing him tremendous pain, even more pain and suffering than he was caused than, than he was caused to have before all this crazy stuff started happening. And we see that the angel, as we see, a lot of people see that this is this is some supernatural being. Um, and he says, 
let me go, for the day has broken. And Jacob just holds on and says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And then he asks him what his name is, and he says, Jacob, and your name shall be no longer Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. So what is the point of all this? Why is it that a man, it's said that a man wrestles with Jacob and then he says, your name shall not be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Um, I'll follow in the footsteps of Luther on this one. He says, you can derive a meaning from this, but first you have to get your facts straight, right? He's always very good about that. When he says that there is a man coming after him, it's, strangely enough, that's what Jacob said happened. All of a sudden, this man, I have no idea who he was, came out of nowhere and was just afflicting me, wrestling me, trying to pin me down, hurting me, but I fought him. And I fought and I fought and I held on and I held on. It was so bad he had to put my hip out of joint and still I wouldn't let go. And through all this, we see that he prevails, not because he's so strong, but because the one who is really wrestling him is God himself. I've always been a little iffy on this passage because I think to myself, well, doesn't that kind of push some sort of works righteousness attitude that if you're strong enough, if you're good enough, if you're smart enough, you can prevail against God? But that's only half of the issue. And for a while there, I tried to, I, I even listened to this one pastor that said, in the Hebrew, you can work things around to see that Jacob's really the one saying, let me go. And that, you know, the tables are flipped. But I mean, if Luther doesn't think that that's the case, I think I'll stick with Luther. That it is exactly as we have it here that God himself comes and he afflicts Jacob. He causes him more and more pain and suffering. And in the midst of it, Jacob is tried and his faith is tried. And how should we see God coming and actively afflicting one who has the promise of grace? How do we see this? Luther has a really neat way of looking at it. He says, this is like a father who is playing around with his son, who steals his toy and holds it away from him and wants the son to come after him and say, give it back, give it back, right? And the whole while the father is saying, no, 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 no. And he's running around, running away from the boy. And the boy is just chasing after him and beating after him and trying to just grab at the toy. All of a sudden, God, you know, and then all of a sudden, um, the father, once he's played like he's being wrestled to the ground, lets the toy go and then gives a smile, right? That's how God is with us as, his, as we are his children. That in the midst of trial and tribulation that is brought about by God himself, we should see that he is doing it for our good, to strengthen us. He wants us to chase after him. He wants us to not let go of him. He wants us to hold on to his promises. He wants us to be so bold in trusting him that even if we are brought to the lowest of low, we would still hold on to his promises. That even if God would 
cast you into the pits of hell, just all of a sudden, for no reason whatsoever, for no discernible reason, if he was to make your life a living hell, that still you should trust in him. And still you should ask him and plead with him and contend with him and say, give me what you promised. Give me what you promised. That is what God wants us to do. He doesn't want us to be children that have our things taken from us or that are chastised and then go off in the corner and sulk. He wants us to chase after him, to pursue him, to fight with him, and not necessarily with wrath or with hatred against him, but knowing that he has promised all good things for us. That in this way, we are like Jacob. That the church is like Jacob. It's full of a bunch of Jacobs, heel grabbers, tricksters, shysters, people who sin daily, who have fallen short of the glory of God and are always trying to find a way to justify why they did it. And yet God calls all of us, once we're called Jacob, and now calls us his chosen people, his, his, his new, new, Israel, for he wants us to strive with God and with men and prevail by faith, trusting in what he has promised. So that we can say that we strive with God face to face, yet our life has been spared. We should hold on to God's promises, even though God himself seems to attempt to destroy us all, all the while. We who are faithful in Christ are the true Israel because, in essence, we have the fullness of God's, of God's glory shown to us, not just in his word, but in his word made flesh. That as his chosen people, we are, we are the, the chosen the chosen, the chosen nation, of Israel, because we are called to strive with God and with men, ideally and really, the God-Man Jesus Christ. That in Him we contend with God and man in the same person. That in faith, we hold on to him. That in faith, we conquer God by our faith and prayer. Because God has promised that he will be our defender and savior and the giver of all blessings. That in the midst of suffering, when you feel a, when you feel a heavy hand on you, pushing you down, and there's no, nothing it seems like you can do to come out of it except confess and hold on tight, hold fast to Christ and what he has done. That is what God desires. God's people struggle with God and conquer him. As strange as that may sound, he wants us to conquer him. 
He wants us to come after him. He wants us to pursue him and say, give me what you promised. Give it back. Give it back. Even though you said you'll take it away. Pray, praise, and give thanks for all things, for what he has done in Jesus Christ, who has made you sons and daughters of the Most High God. Struggle and strive and contend with God. Know that you, do not, that you are not given what you want because you do not ask him. Know that you are causing him to delight in you when you do ask him. Pray to him. Re- reject the righteousness and the, the wisdom of the flesh in this world, for it's fleeting and it will end but the glory of God lasts forever. Pursue him and his greatness, his grace, his mercy, his peace. And just like Jacob, know that sometimes when you contend with God, you get hurt. Sometimes you walk away, not fully intact, but with a limp, knowing that in the end, that's exactly what God desires to happen to you, in that you are humbled, As Christ says, whoever humbles himself will be exalted. That in striving with God, you do not walk away without some bumps and scrapes and scars and broken bones at times. But know that in the end, this is a good thing. That just as as Jacob's hip was brought out of joint, in this way we also crucify Crucify the flesh and its, and its desires. That God will test us and try us and bring us through, through the fire. Not to destroy us, but to purify us. To remind us who it is that we should trust in. Not in ourselves, not in this world, not in anyone else, but in God alone. And with this, as we go forward, we strive, we strive with God in faith and prayer, knowing that in the end, he will give us what he promised. In the end, he will bless us according to his great gifts and what he has done for us. So as we go forward, crucifying our flesh, getting our scrapes, getting our scars, knowing that in the end they build good character. Suffering produces character. Uh, suffering, produces, uh, suffering produces the endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put to shame. And like the Canaanite woman, when God brings us to to the lowest point, we would say, yes, Lord, I deserve worse, but you have promised the best. Hold on to these things, struggle and strive, and you will prevail because God, because God will bless you and the faith that he has granted to you. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen.